One of the things that is very interesting as we talk about the history of these kingdoms clashing, the socialists believe that the state is the answer. If you gather your rights from the state, then you ultimately have those rights taken away by the same person that gave them to you. The scriptures tell us that we get all the rights for life and liberty and and all of that from God. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Summit Up, brought to you by the Summit Dover. If religion's giving you more questions than answers, you're in the right place. So sit back and open your minds with us. I'm Josh Hall, and I'm here with the man with the answers, Pastor Rob Coburn. Awesome. It is so good to be in the studio again. I know with life being as crazy as it's been, we've been out of the studio, just yep, a lot going yep. on. And uh, so I would just want to welcome you joining us uh, through the video on the AGA Network on uh, on the Summit Up uh podcast it's it's great to be here josh we are literally this is november 12th is when we're filming this and uh i have never thought that the world would be this crazy it's wild it is it is it's wild. just unbelievable that that you know it's it's pat it's a weekend a, over a week past the election mm-hmm. we don't have a winner although the media would try to tell you that we don't have a winner uh, the legal process, according to the uh, according to the laws that were passed about the electoral college, says January sixth they'll get together and actually do the electors. Maybe that's maybe, what the yep. law says, but maybe they will. Um, that that we have a, a track of a current elected president that is serving out his term, first term, and we have a another person who assumes the role without having a legal vote who is now trying to set up his governing body. And all of this craziness just depicts what we preached about at the summit all the way through September, October, and then into November. And we're watching it unfold, the craziness and the battle between the kingdoms. Yeah, and for everybody who has not you know, tuned in or was not here or heard the Kingdom Clash you know, series that you did over the last it was like five or six weeks, yeah, exactly. Yeah. go back and listen to it. I mean... We're getting everything now. It's out on you know Apple, Spotify, Google, everywhere you listen to podcasts. It's on the Summit Dover website, um, the yeah. app. Download the Summit Dover mobile app. Yeah, check it out. It's, I mean, the the series was absolutely. Um, it was it was really cool because it was really enlightening. How you know you bring in kind of the history of these worldly things and how they're connecting into these um, other kingdom realms, right? That you yeah. that you talk about and. It kind of gives you chills when you when you listen and really think about it, and then you see in the world these things playing out. Yes, yeah. and you know a lot of a lot of believers are distressed right now. They're worried about what's going to happen, and you know what? Whatever happens in the election, I believe that there'll be an outcome that would be favorable to Israel, favorable to the kingdom of God. I, I truly believe that. But here's the deal: no matter what happens, our hope is not in a person. Uh, our country is not led by a person it's led by a document which is so awesome it's right. a legal document now whether the courts uphold a legal document or not well hopefully they do but they are human as well so whatever but um but that our hope is in the lord and that we do not battle against flesh and blood but against principalities and rulers of darkness so we know that 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 our battle is not just these 
these people in, in certain states or whatever that did some heinous things. Our battle is actually, we're watching on the earth today the outpouring, the, the moving forward of this kingdom battle that's going on in the heavenlies. And, and so I just want to recap, sum up. Let's do that. Let's sum up uh, where we went and, and why we talked about this prior to the election. And we're seeing that everything that we talked about is coming true. Um, and so really, I just want to highlight today to everyone who's listening that there are two kingdoms. We can get caught up in the earth. We can get caught up in, in just this experience of day-to-day life in where we are so consumed with paying the bills uh, worrying about whether the governor's going to make us wear a mask or whether we have freedom in this country. Uh, all those different things. We're worried about all of that. And I just want to highlight to you that this is not something new. Uh, we're going to talk about the history of it, as Josh said. But this isn't something new. We've been dealing with this since the, the fall of man. And, uh, and these kingdoms are real. And they impact us on a daily basis. And so it, thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Let's read some scriptures this, today about how we um, can see these two kingdoms separately and together in scripture. And then what does that really mean in the history of America? We are blessed uh, here to live in America. And, uh, and I believe that, that we need to value that and we need to take that upon uh, ourselves to acknowledge that. But also, we are the bastion of freedom around the world, at least for now. So what does this mean, the two kingdoms? I want to take you to Matthew thirteen thirty-eight. It says, there are children of God and there are children of Satan. It says, this is the actual New King James. It says, the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked ones. So we see this clash beginning right there, Matthew 13, 38. Matthew 13, 24 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field and... That's Christ sows good seed. Satan sows tares. So we see that the seed, that's in uh, Matthew 13, 25. We see that the seed of the father of the movement produces the fruit. So Jesus and, and God sows seed, good seed, and Satan sows tares. There's two different kingdoms set up against each other. And what we're watching in the world, not just not just in America, what we're watching in the world is the clash of these two kingdoms in the people that they control. It is the seed that is producing in lives this battle on the earth, but it's really a kingdom battle that's going on. It's just coming out in the people that are possessed by the, the thing that, that is battling. So the next one says, God works in his children. That's Philippians 2, 13 through 12, 12, sorry, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So God has works for his children to do, but so does Satan. That's Ephesians 2, 2 in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So not only is the kingdom of heaven clashing, but the sons and daughters of both of those kingdoms are clashing upon the earth, and we're witnessing that right now. And, uh, and so it can come across in... in um, it can come across just in conversations that you have with people, or it can actually be seen in 
how this whole election process in America is even working out today. It's it's just amazing. The one that I want to the one that I want to hang on for one second is First Corinthians fifteen one through four. I'm going to read it. I know I'm heavy on scripture, but I want to be clear um, in this one, and then we'll get into get into the topics of the history of what's happened on the earth. But Christ has a gospel. We know that as believers, we know the gospel. I want to read it to you out of First Corinthians fifteen one through four. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. So Christ has a gospel. That Scripture explains the gospel pretty clearly. I want to take you now to explain that Satan has a gospel. And we talked about this. This was one of the one of the very interesting conversations that we had uh, in our leadership team just about this next scripture. Galatians 1, 6 through 9 says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. We have to guard our heart because there's lots of gospels. There's lots of gospels in the world, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, that then what we have preached to you, then let him be accursed. As we have said before, now I say to you again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you, then what you've received, let him be cursed. We know that there are multiple gospels. I think if you just look at the world today, you can see gospels all around. But there's only one true gospel, one gospel that we have to be. But there's a battle of other gospels. I love... Um, I love that Jesus says, my kingdom, he says, he says, my church, whenever he's talking with Peter, upon this knowledge that you, Peter, have said that I am the son of God, upon that rock, that knowledge, I will build my ecclesia, my church. And he's, he's clearly stating that there are other churches that are upon the earth. And there's other movements that are upon the earth. And I believe that we have to understand that this isn't just what we're standing in America right now. We're, we're you know, we're in the, in the place of, of actually waiting to see what is going to come out of this election. We have to understand that there are many, many, many powers at work. And our job as, as the church is to continue presenting the gospel, continue sharing what, the good news of Jesus Christ to every person that we see. And we cannot get hung up on the, the kingdoms of this world. We have to be connected to the kingdoms of our God. Yeah. Uh, if you, it, really, if you, if you want proof that there are these multiple gospels, these, this kingdom clash going on, if you're listening to this, have you been confused at all right. over the last year? Have you questioned what's the truth, what's really going on? How many different things have we heard from different sides of the argument of, well, you know, this certain thing is put in place to protect you, or this certain thing is stealing your rights, or this certain thing is imposing this or that or the other. And you don't know, the, the confusion yeah. is just proof that this is happening. Right. And, and thinking through the, oh, it's for your own good deal, right? Um, one of the things that is very interesting as we talk about the history of these kingdoms clashing, that the socialists believe that the state is the answer. 
The state is the answer. And so if you gather your rights from the state, whether it be the state of Ohio where we are, whether it be the state government of whatever state you're in or whether it be the country that you're in, if you gather your rights from the state, then you ultimately so you can be, have those rights taken away by the same person that gave them to you. And so that's why the the scriptures tell us that that we get all the rights for life and liberty and and all of that from God, from our creator. And so in all the confusion that you're describing, if if we're valuing the state as God, then we can be super confused. But if we allow him, if we allow God to be our final answer and be our source and be the one who we get all of our rights to, to live and breathe from, then we don't have to worry about what the state is really even saying. You see, Jesus walked across the earth in the most unbelievable time, one of the most unbelievable times on the earth. The Roman Empire was, was really ruling everything at that point. And I find it interesting that Jesus came during the Roman Empire. Uh, you know, you have you have four thousand years of of the Old Testament. Then Jesus comes. Why didn't he come in the Assyrian Empire? Why didn't he come in all those other empires? Well, he didn't come because the words that he used and the way he there was no political organization on the planet that represented the kingdom of God until Rome. It's, it's just amazing when you look at it. He couldn't have come in those other areas because they would conquer a region. They would take all the people from that region back. They would assume the land and all that stuff, but they would take those people back and make them slaves. That's not the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. That sounds more like the government of today um, than the kingdom of God. So Jesus came in Rome. When Rome would go in and conquer an area, they would set up a governor. The governor would then actually execute the will of the kingdom of Rome in that area as an ambassador of the king, and he would set up the government of Rome in that city wherever it may be. And in, the t- in that time, it was all over, all over the globe that Rome was actually having an impact. And so, so the, the, the key point is that we have to remember that God is our source. He is the creator of all things. If you get that messed up, then you can follow a lot of other gospels. Yeah, you you took the whiteboard up front one Sunday and you kind of had three columns and you said uh, under the first column was where you 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 as the individual are the final authority. Then the next one was where the state or the government was the final authority and the third one was God is the final authority. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay, that's pretty clear. Two of those are incorrect. Right. Only yeah. One is correct. Yeah, and so you know, for the past hundred years, the communists in America have tried to take God out of everything. We know that they took God out of schools and and uh, and were successful at doing that. At that point, the church was silent. Um, I wonder when the church will wake up and actually execute its power of the kingdom. But um, but we've seen where God has been removed. What is the strategic purpose of removing God? The strategic purpose of removing God is to make you God over your own life. So the people that remove God out of their life are really assuming that place because, uh, you know, I laugh about this, but a comment I heard a long time ago is where two or more are gathered, there's politics. Um, someone is going to rule over someone else in every situation. You can talk about being co-equals. It doesn't work. Somebody has to make a final decision. It just happens that way. And, uh, and so when 
when you have a triangle and the top of the triangle is God and the, the left side of the triangle is, uh, is you and the other side of the triangle is your significant other. And the closer you get to God, the closer you get together. What happens, because there has to be a hierarchy, there has to be a final authority. So if God is your final authority and you both work your way toward God, you become closer together, but God is the ultimate decision maker. There is some moral compass. There's a moral compass that we uh, can can focus on and not have the pressure of being God ourselves, right? Uh, the second part of that is, is when you take God out of the equation, it becomes a straight line across because there's no triangle anymore. A little geometry lesson it becomes a straight line. And so now you're equal. You, you and the other person are equal, but that's not really true because there's always a hierarchy and somebody's going to make a final decision. And so what happens is, is that one person goes above the other. And if God is not a part of that, you know, we talked a lot about the social contract that came, um, before the French revolution, the social contract was, we want to make a contract between us personally. God can be in it. God doesn't have to be in it, but God can be in it. And, but we're going to make the final decision of whether he's in it or not. Now we've just set ourselves up for huge failure. Um, but the point of all this is, is that there's been a, there's, there's been a, a movement to remove God because the ultimate goal is that the state would be the answer. And so, you know, we were laughing before we got on the, on the radio here about, you know, the mandate of our governor here in Ohio about all the different things that he's going to shut down businesses again. He's going to do all this stuff. Well, if you get your rights from the state, then that worries you. Um, but I, I sort of go by a different, a different law, a different thing. And, and here's the thing. The kingdom is legal. A lot of the things you're seeing all around the country, they're not legal. And every time they get challenged, they get shot down. So I'll stand by the law. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, taking God out of society and everything. I was at a meeting a couple months ago. And at the beginning of the meeting, we all stood up and said the Pledge of Allegiance. And we hit that spot where we all said, one nation under God. And it just triggered me. I'm like, wow, that felt really good to actually say that. And everyone says it in, in that meeting was saying it very proudly. And yeah. And to think that some gatherings have removed that phrase from the uh, Pledge of Actually, Allegiance. major parties have removed right. that. Um, yeah, I, I, we have to just be blunt and call it what it is. Uh, party, uh, a major political party, the Democratic Party in the United States, has removed that from their platform. Obviously, we know the direction that they're headed. They're not in the triangle anymore. No. They, mm -hmm. they're, moving, they're moving to where the state is in control, and that takes all individual rights away, which are constitution um is is key so what do we do as the church you know go ahead. Well, i just say on that note real quick i know i sent you the article of the little girl in mississippi i think it was who had a she had to wear a mask to school because yep. got to wear a mask at school and her mask said jesus loves me on it yep. and her i believe was the principal ordered her to remove it yep. so she wasn't allowed to wear that mask yeah and i said okay so at what point does this become about safety from the virus and controlling what sort of messaging you know, a child, it's not about safety from the virus, because no. if it was about safety from the virus, then all the people that are in Washington, D.C. today that are out there protesting around the White House, the 150,000 that aren't wearing masks, if it was really about the virus, they would shut that down. So uh, it, it's a, it's a double standard. But here's the reason. Here's where I believe we need to talk, frankly, about the church. We have a clear declaration of the Lord 
in Ephesians 5 of what we're called to do. And I think that we've missed the mark as the church for a long time uh, about actually doing this. We've tippy-toed around it. But I, I just want to read Ephesians 5. Or I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version for you today. But um, I just want you to rest for a minute and, and let this all sink in. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Okay? So we walk in love. Walking in love with my children is not allowing them to get away with nonsense. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If I let them go into harm's way doing stupid things, then I'm not loving them. Now, there comes a point where they have to make their own decisions and they have to do that. I get all that. But there, there is a point to walk in love is not to walk not understanding the consequences of life. Right, and that's your responsibility so that they at least understand the consequences. And then when they do get to that point where they make their own decisions, they're making informed decisions. Right, right, exactly. So then verse three, but fornication, all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be, not even be named among you as fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse gesturing, which are not fitting, but gather, but rather give giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So there you go, the kingdom of darkness again. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Now, here we go. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the spirit, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Here we go. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. I think that that part of the verse, we we read the first, I, I love verse one and verse two, walk in love. We have to. It's our, it's our command to walk in love. But walking in love does not mean that we avoid exposing darkness. Our call is to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose darkness. I think that for so long, the church has been focused on doing our own deal. And we know that there's darkness in the world. We know that there's darkness all around, yet we haven't exposed it and haven't held the light of Christ that's in us in love up to say darkness has to leave. And then it says in verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. i just apply that to today. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake, awake those who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Number one, you have to awake. So that means that someone around has been sleeping. He's talking to us as the church. Awake. Then get up. Get out of the casket. Let's do something. And the light that Christ gives will shine forth from you. It doesn't shine when you're in the casket. It doesn't shine in those in, in that. But in darkness, when we expose the darkness of the shameful deeds of the world in love, we demonstrate his kingdom upon the earth. 
It's just, it, it, it's what we have to do as individuals. And so whenever I was talking about Rome, they would send the ambassador, they would send the governor into the new area and that colony that was put there would actually look like the kingdom. It would actually look like Rome. And, and so that is the goal of the church, that the light that he gives us, when we come in as an ambassador of the kingdom of God, of course, the governor is the Holy Spirit, that, that he's the one that teaches us a language, our native tongue, and he's the one that sets up the culture, but we are the ambassadors of the kingdom to make the kingdom that we are in reflect, the colony that we're in reflect the government of the kingdom of heaven. And in that government, all darkness is exposed. In that government, darkness is not allowed to hide. And so God's culture of heaven on earth is what Satan wants to counterfeit. He wants to, in every aspect, counterfeit everything that God does. And we saw that in the, the scriptures at the very beginning. Everything that God has, Satan has a counterfeit. Everything that God has, Satan has a counterfeit. And we have to be very good at discerning good from evil. And when we see evil shining the light of good in those areas. And I think we're witnessing that here in, in our country. If, if we cannot trust a vote, we've lost our fundamental right of free speech. Yeah. And I don't know if, I just don't, I'm looking ahead. Like how would we ever be able to do another election in the same way that we did this one? There's no trust in the system now. Right, and this is what, for years, our government has been involved in in other countries. You know, our government has went into other countries like Romania and messed with their elections and taken the trust out of their democratic system of actually having a vote. And we've done that to increase power and to make things flow the way that we need to, which isn't right. I'm just saying it has happened. And so... Now it's happened on our soil. Now, whether that was done by our government or another government, I, what doesn't matter, it's still darkness, and we mm-hmm. need to call out those things. Um, but to go back to when, when we're talking about the, the, why are we even in this situation? You know, why, why as, as a church, are we in the situation where we're feeling what most of the world has felt their whole lives of living? I remember a story of a man who came um, and was in, uh, in a church locally where I grew up and he was saying, you know, you guys don't even need God. You got government, you've got resources, you've got all that stuff. I have to wake up every day is from a country, which I won't mention. I have to wake up every day and say, I don't know how we're going to eat today. I need God to show up in my life. And I think that for, for a moment, we as the church in America are seeing a minuscule part of the pressure that the rest of the church around the world has seen for decades and generations. And yet they're thriving. And the church in America is asleep. I was just going to say, I, there's a lot of, if you think about, and you made a good comment the other day at church, which I'll bring up here in a second, but you know, the church, people in church, we're good people, right? I mean, it, it's filled with good people, good intentions, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes the good intentions or trying to be a good person can get in the way of doing what you need to do. For instance, I just, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. Well, that mindset has kind of gotten us in trouble. Yeah, I don't want to offend anybody. I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to get along. Well, look what that kind of has led to. You kind of let one thing slide over here because, yeah, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to upset that person. 
well, that maybe it was darkness kind of creeping in in that situation and you didn't say anything, you didn't step up and take care of it and it festered, you know, manifested. Now it's, now it's a problem. Right. Yeah. 100%. We can see that in them taking the pledge of the, uh, the Bible's out of schools right. and prayer out of schools. And we see that, that at that point, it was let slide. That never should have been allowed to happen. Right. Because never. the founders put scripture. I mean, the, the original, when the pilgrims came over here for religious freedom and to found this country, it was the, the, original, the original textbooks in public schools were the Bible. They were all based on the Bible or they were the scriptures. And we've gone so far because the the communist spirit that satan uh, wh- what was it all about he wanted control he wanted everything for himself and that wasn't his place and so he was sent to the earth to corrupt the earth and that that's he was sent here but he corrupted the earth and uh and so you know i'm i'm settled because i know that the scriptures tell me that Christ will Christ came with a government on his shoulders. Adam lost a government. He didn't lose religion. He lost a relationship and he lost government. And it says in scripture that Jesus came with a government on his shoulders. We don't have to think, I mean, as much as I love our constitutional republic, we don't have to worry about a government because he brought us a government. He shows us in scripture what that government looks like. And he shows... Jesus, when we, when we follow him and we read the acts of Jesus in Scripture, we see the heart of the Father. And you were talking about things that were let go that were corrupted. Uh, we see that the religious people allowed commerce to take place in the temple. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. This isn't how my kingdom works. I'm exposing darkness. And he flipped the tables. He was ticked off. He said, this is it. I'm done. I haven't seen anybody doing that. Lately, even though there's lots of lots more darkness than even having that in the temple. You made a comment uh, a couple of weeks ago where you said sometimes people may feel like if they're angry about a situation that they're sinning. And then you, you just said, no, you, you can be angry about a situation. Just don't yeah, sin in your anger. Scripture but, tells us be angry, but sin not. Right. I mean, obviously Jesus was not happy at that point in time. Right. And so, so why is it that we... So quickly, uh, this this is another. If, if we're just going to air it all, I'm just going to air it all. I, <laughs> I mean, seriously, uh, we believe the prophets in the Old Testament, and then and then today, you know, one day or two days after the election, the prophets have said that there will be eight years of Donald Trump. Whatever, I, a lot of them have said that. Some of them haven't, but a lot of them have. Immediately after the nonsense of. This isn't even a legal vote yet. The people start coming out and saying that the obviously the the uh, prophets are wrong. Well, I want to take you back to the ten and the two going into the promised land to spy it out. There were two prophets that explained what was going to happen, and the world, the the Israelites, sided with the ten that said, "Oh no, this isn't good." This isn't good. There's a lot of prophets out there today in the media or in other places that are saying that this is over. And so they obviously don't understand the law. Right. The law. Now, just just a side note for my own curiosity, you said that they were predicting or they were saying eight years of Donald Trump. 
Did they say eight consecutive years? They they said that he would serve two terms. Okay. So that well, I did mean, they say consecutive. No, they though. didn't. Uh, I don't know. I shouldn't say they didn't because somebody maybe did. Because I'm just I'm I, wondering like how that could play out. Like even if this all you know, depending on how things go, he still could come back and do another term. I think he could. I I, I truly believe that we're going to witness uh, justice. We talked about justice a few weeks ago. Yep. I think we're going to witness justice. Um, coming to coming to the earth i i i don't know but but going back to there's a kingdom of heaven and there's a ruler that we follow that has his own government and that government is the kingdom of of god and and so it doesn't matter what government we're in here and and i i love i love that we often talk about this and it's frustrating and we're just airing it all out here you know just frustrated about things that are going on but i'm at total peace knowing that no matter what happens um, there are a lot of people around the world and I, I, I love them and I appreciate them and they're paying a lot higher price than we are right now. And no matter how hot it gets or how crazy things happen, we have our faith in him. We have our faith in the Lord. And, and so just, just have hope, have peace that God, you know, I, the scriptures tell us, and I think it's Psalm one fifteen sixteen. I'm not positive, and I'm not going to take time to look it up, but um, it says that the earth, or sorry, it says the heavens are the Lord's, and the earth He has given to man. We have made the choices we've made to put us where we are. My question is, as the church, are we going to make choices that are going to lead to the next generation being better off than what we are? And I think for many years, you know, we had the greatest generation. We, we, you know, my grandparents and, and on all of that, they, they did what had to be done to preserve liberty upon the earth. And I'm wondering if we as the church are willing to pay that price in 2020, 2021, 2022, to see generations beyond us live in a world that accepts God as a king. That's my that's my concern, is that uh, that if you know we go back to the socialistic thing, if you take God out and you make yourself God, which is what they do, then you go on to the communistic thing, which is that the state gives you the privilege to live here. <laughs> the state gives you the privilege to live at all. The state gives you everything that you are, and you're a product of the state. And when you're no longer producing for the state. Then we're gonna we're just gonna take you out because you're not doing that. And we saw that in Germany. We saw that we saw that all over where communism has reigned. We have 45 countries and growing that have fallen to communism from freedom, and they've all followed the same path. They go to from freedom to socialism, from socialism to communism, sometimes even to fascism, and and that progression is what we're witnessing here. And I believe that in America. We are standing on the precipice of losing the freedom that is given to us by God and governed over us by a document because it's under under assault every single day. And, you know, we can look all the way back at the pilgrims. They, they used this socialistic mindset, and it didn't work. And, uh, you know, they said everything was in common. All hunting and food was in common. They nearly starved to death. And so we know that socialism everywhere on the planet it's been tried hasn't worked. 
We know that communism everywhere it's been tried has led to millions and millions and millions and millions of people that have died or been murdered. I shouldn't say died. They were murdered. Mm-hmm. And, and it leaves a wake in its past of destitute people. And I'm just praying that we're not going that path here in America. Well, I, I mean, this whole year, so COVID is part of that kingdom of darkness. That's, that's of course, however it came to be, doesn't matter. It is from the kingdom of darkness. And I think that, I don't know. And the thing is, like, I'm looking at this, you know, I don't study everything like you do and, and have that complete understanding, but I feel like what I'm seeing from society and a lot of people that I know and a lot of people I see what kind of their, where their hearts are at now, I feel like. COVID this year has really forced people to stop and figure out what they believe is the truth. And I think just like everything else that comes out of that kingdom of darkness, it underestimates the power of God. Oh, and yeah. I think a lot of people are coming to that realization of, I'm not in control here. God is in control. And, if, and once you start to you know, really live your life that way, every night when you go to bed, it's like, okay, I know what I'm responsible for here on the earth. I know what I need to do. I know what my job is but I'm not in control. And that's just such a peaceful thing because you can lay down knowing that God's got everything handled. You're just executing, you know, what you need to do for the kingdom. Yeah. It's peaceful for those who know him. Right. Exactly. For those who are believing in a religious system, it's not peaceful. Right. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying about COVID is I think a lot of people have realized that either they, they don't have a strong relationship with God or they're lacking one. And I think more people than, the darkness would have projected have found that relationship. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a wave, you know, in, in politics, they talked about the red and the blue wave. I'm waiting for the kingdom wave. Yeah. Uh, this, mm-hmm. there's a hunger in the people f- to find truth. We see it in our 20 somethings. We see it in our teenagers that, that there is a hunger for just some solid truth and the kingdom always wins. The kingdom of God always wins. Yeah, I see a lot of these arguments of people saying, well, you know, I'm tired of them taking away my rights. And then there are the opposing views that are saying, oh, quit, you know, we're trying to protect it. We're worried about your rights. We're not worried about our United States government rights. Quit imposing on our kingdom rights. Exactly. That, that I think, is... There's that mis- you know, disconnect there, and that's what we're after. Exactly, yeah. That's what's getting everybody so fired up and yeah. frustrated. And yeah, angry. it's not just about freedom to assemble. It's about freedom to actually assemble together to preach the kingdom of God, which is what's been silenced. It, it's interesting. Historical character Rousseau uh, wrote in the social contract. We talked about that. The social contract would be between people. And it says, if the state says to a citizen, it is expedient for the state that you should die, that citizen should die. Because his life is a gift made conditionally by the state. And I think that that, that is the kingdom of darkness. We, we own you. For, for anyone that's been addicted to anything, the kingdom of darkness feels like it owns you. Feels like it's, it controls you. And that is the motive of the kingdom of darkness, to separate you from light. Yeah, well, and, and having done a lot of... Um you know, drug prevention podcasts and things like that in these conversations. And I'm really starting to understand, you know, the perspective from an addicted person's, you know, point of view and all that. And, and the words I keep hearing come up are like shame and guilt and that they're not bad people, but they're so dependent on a substance and they know that it's bad and they, 
they don't want it, you know, and, and the things that they do to get it and the, you know, the crimes they commit, they feel shame and guilt and it's, it lives with them forever. It compiles upon them. It is the weight of darkness, right? It's the weight right. of darkness. And, and God has said in the scripture that we read earlier, uh, it's Ephesians five eleven, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, shame, guilt, all that stuff, but rather expose them. And I believe that we are living in the most awesome time of exposing darkness. You, the podcast that you're doing with Anti-Drug Coalition and, and Tusk Against Trafficking and all the other ones that you do, which are pretty awesome, we're exposing darkness. We're shining light right, in the right. places. You, you know, the, the kingdom of God is being expressed as light in the dark places, and there's hope for those who are hopeless. And I, I guess that the culmination of this podcast is that there is an alternative kingdom to the darkness that you see, and it's the kingdom of light. And everywhere that you see the kingdom of God, be looking out because there is a kingdom of darkness counterfeit. Oh, yeah. And, yep. and, and if we can get our minds to understand that we're not fighting about a, an earthly government, we're looking at a heavenly government, we're looking at a kingdom government, and when we engage in that process of actually taking the time to look at that clearly— we will see that there are many opportunities to shine light in the darkness. And for all of those who would, uh, who would be questioning darkness in their own life, even depression and all that stuff, there is light. And it's in the form of a man, and his name is Jesus. And he came to this earth to live as a human being so that he could redeem us. See, Adam was created not just as a man, but he was created as a race. And so when Adam sinned, we all sinned, all of human race sinned. And so Jesus had to come in the form of a man to the second Adam to redeem mankind and draw all the world to himself. And he is the light that shines in the darkness of a crack addict's closet. And he is the light that invades the abortion clinic sees the light that invades the places of shame and guilt in everyone's life. It is time that we as the church do verse one and two, therefore be intimidators of God as dear children and walk in love. And then verse 11, exposing darkness in our own lives and in the lives of those around us in love. So they can see the redemption of the King Jesus and they can see that he loves them and we, through us expressing love and pulling them out of darkness and seeing redemption in their life, that is the call of the church in 2020. We can talk about politics and frustration and all that. The call of the church is to love people out of darkness. The call of the church is to love people out of the craziness and the doldrums of life that have kept you down and to introduce you to Jesus who came as a man so that he could live a sinless life, show us that we have something to aim for, to be to die on the cross, to to be raised again the third day, to be sitting at the right hand of the Father, so that we would have hope, and that we wouldn't have to live in the darkness and the doldrums of this world. And I think that we can accomplish that as the church if our focus is, even though there's lots of distractions and we get caught up in them, if we just focus that we have access to the kingdom of light. Let's go expose the darkness. Yeah, because I know, and we said politics aside, because in all reality, it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who's the governor of, the, of Ohio. It doesn't matter who's the mayor. It doesn't matter. There's going to be darkness everywhere despite what else is going on. So, yeah, the church, like I, I can say, like a very big goal of this podcasting network would be to do exactly what you're saying, expose the darkness. But I'm not talking about walking into a dark room and pointing a flashlight in the corner. I'm talking about walking in a dark room and flipping on the lights. Exactly. And everything yep. is exposed. Yep. And that's what we need to do as the church. Well, we talked about the prophets. The prophets said at, before 2020, at least some of the ones that I listened to, they, they said that 2020 would be the year of exposing everything. Everything would come to light. And we're watching that. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the great thing is, is that if the church is focused and in position, there is a great harvest coming of people that want light in their dark space. And we can be the light in the love of Christ. If we do it in love and we expose darkness, the person that is being affected will understand that we're doing it because we care about their future and we care about them personally. There's so many people that I meet and that I talk with and that we connect with that have, uh, that have had horrible situations come upon them. And we have the hope. We just have to not stay in the four walls of the church and go out and see transformation. Yep. I agree. And it's, it's the pursuit of, of God. And if you, I mean, if, if you're looking around the world, the country, whatever, your own life, and you're saying, this doesn't make sense. This isn't right. This isn't, it's not good. It doesn't feel right. Pursue that relationship with God because the closer you get with him, like you said earlier, the, the clearer things become. And you can look at a situation when something happens and say, I know that's not right. It's not that I don't feel it's not right. You can say, I know that's not right because it doesn't jive with what I know to be true with God. Right. And the, and the best way to do that is to get into his word every day. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, get into his word. He wrote, he, it, to have a rela- for us to have a relationship, we have to communicate. You know, we, we have to communicate, we have to talk, and, and he gave us a whole document. I call it, I call it my constitution of life, but uh, he gave me a constitution that I could read that shows me my rights, shows me my responsibilities, shows me the heart of my king, shows me all that. And so if you're looking for a solution to the craziness of this world, get into the word and know that it will come alive as you understand that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. But we have the greatest call, and I speak this over the church in the world today. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I, I don't know if anything more needs to be said other than that. That right there is powerful. Amen. Amen. So, Amen. all right. So we're, I take it we're wrapping this we're one wrapping up. We're wrapping this right? one up. Okay. We'll take care of this one. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for following us, sharing, liking, commenting, you know, wherever you're at, there's a subscribe button or something that you can follow what's happening here at the summit in Dover, Ohio. We are excited that we're on the AGA network, the America's greatest awakening network, which is found on pretty much every platform. If you go to the, your Apple, uh, Android, if you go to Roku, Amazon Fire, uh, Google TV, whatever it is, all those, you just type in America's Greatest Awakening. You'll find our app. You can find us there. You can also find us on the podcasting network. If you want to share a little bit about that, that would be awesome. All the different ways that they can find the podcasting network. Yeah, well, I mean, just search uh, Get Level Podcast Network on, well, if you want to see all the videos, they're all on YouTube. If you want to see, you've got a lot of stuff on Facebook too. So find us on Facebook, follow us there. Uh, we're, we're on Twitter, Instagram, 
go to getlevelpod.com. Everything's on our website as well, which is a new website is being developed uh, soon. And it's on the AJ Network it's channel on the number AJ. two. You can yeah. watch you can watch all the episodes of the podcasting network on the AJ Network as well. So it's a, it's a fun time to be alive. It, you, I believe, God looked down through the annals of time, and He said, "I want you to be on the planet in 2020." So you've got a destiny and a call that you're supposed to be doing today. Don't let it go to waste. And if you have been asleep. Ephesians 5.14, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. Thanks for listening to another episode of Summit Up. You can check us out at thesummitdover.com, and you can email us at summitup at thesummitdover.org.